yes, we are live. I made sure of it this time. Yeah. Welcome, everybody. I'm excited. We have a very <laughs> special guest with us. His name is Rafael Wiggle. Did I say your last name right? Yes. So I have a tendency to call him Raf, and I literally uh, just met him live now. So, But I feel like this is a guy that I've known for a long, long time because of, uh, well, he's... Uh, <laughs> Somebody I look up to. It's kind of weird, eh, Johnny? It uh, is. <laughs> it's not weird in a bad way. It's weird in a good way. I've been going to seminars since 1987. And, you know, you pick your heroes, right? You go, oh, I really want to shoot like that guy. And that's a good thing. And, uh, uh, Raphael, you're one of those. There's, oh, there's thank just, you. There's just a handful. I look at the work and I go, jeez, that guy's a... Duh, why does he do it? You know, and and there's so many others that are, you know, like I hate to say it, but like Sal Sincata is awesome, but I don't look at him and go, ah, I want to look shoot weddings like him because he's in a different category, or even like Peter Hurley who does headshots. But mm -hmm. Raphael, I've had a folder of swipe files from your work for years now. Oh, because thank I, you. I love the way you shoot, and I want to get into that today in today's discussion. I want to remind everybody, this is recorded. We put the replay on YouTube. And uh, if you have any questions, put them in the comment box and uh, we'll uh, try and answer them. And uh, I'm really excited. But before we get into the content and anything technical or any rabbit holes we jump into, I want to ask you first off, Raphael, give us a little synopsis of your life story. What got you into photography? Sort of uh, sort of the one minute synopsis of biography, if you don't mind, if we can go from so You there. want a long story or a short one? I'll take a short story. <laughs> we, only, we only got an hour, so give us oh, a okay. one, one or two minutes. Give us the sure. synopsis. So I was born and raised in Poland. My dad, um, he was like a, you know, back in the days, amateur photographer who had a little bit of hobby. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, of course, back in the days, we there was no digital, so we were pretty much were shooting film. At that time, it was extremely expensive, so that was kind of rare occasions where I could even take camera to my hands and shoot. But that kind of gave me a little bit of passion for photography, and I was kind of obsessed with this for most of my life. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and when I was twenty. I went to U.S. for student exchange program, and nice. I visited Canada. When and actually, there was a kind of also interesting story that that was I was there like a I came to Canada at the kind of the the wrong moment because I left New York City three days after September, well before September 11. So I came here. This whole thing happened in New York City, and I was stuck. I couldn't go back. Right. And 20 years later, I'm still here. So going back to photography, um, I pretty much, you know, wanted to pretty much become photographer. So I started as every immigrant, you know, just doing construction jobs, cleaning mm -hmm. jobs, whatever I could just, you know, make money. Mm -hmm. uh, for a short period of time, I also jumped into um, photography studio for Walmart. So I worked there for six months. Mm -hmm. uh, really? Yes, and the funny thing, they 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 fired me because I was taking their clients and just and I started shooting them privately. So <laughs> at some point, all right, thing came out and they let me go. But it was yeah. a good experience. It was you know the first kind of like a professional job where I could shoot and learn mm -hmm. a little bit about um, selling. And then I actually got into wedding photography because that was just a kind of bread and butter for many many years. Um, the digital kind of came along and kind of makes things easier so i went from pretty much the first year i started with four weddings and i went into 40 weddings a year nice nice for for many many years um, i travel the world when it comes to shooting weddings i've done this for 10 years then i started kind of getting a little bit burnout and i mm -hmm. i was just kind of tired of it not to mention that at that moment a lot of you know, there's like so many wedding photographers that the prices start kind of like, you know, collapsing and um, right. it's much harder to get clients. So I still want to stay in the industry, but I figured I have to do something different, something that kind of keeps me industry, but I can stay kind of away from wedding. So that's how this whole thing um, came in when it comes to hatchet photography, because that was just the beginning of 
you know, this whole genre of shooting headshots. Um, mm-hmm. As I mentioned before we start, um, I was really inspired by Dylan Patrick and his work, and nobody was doing that in Calgary. So just like, let's try, you know. Was was hard at the beginning because to learn all like going from weddings and you know running around shooting pretty much available light going to any lighting systems and then you know shooting with with flashes and all this stuff that was just comp- like it was kind of interesting because after ten years you kind of think oh I know everything about photography now and then you get mm-hmm. a few lights and you have no idea how what to do with them and every pictures which I took was garbage. So oh, really? that took me quite a bit of time to, you know, create this kind of own style and, and just kind of be more creative. But um, yeah, and then I, I, I try to kind of do some different stuff, right? Like I know it's easy to say to do something different because everybody's doing pretty much, everyone's trying to be different and have own style and unique things to which they can kind of implement in their work. Uh, but that was like, I was shooting headshots for like four years for completely free okay i was really? trying to get oh yeah so like i was a kind of transition so i was still shooting weddings so that was kind of paying the bills but i was trying to get everybody who i who i could at the mm-hmm. front of the camera to learn about headshots okay. and um you know when i started feeling that okay this whole thing is under control i know a little bit more i am kind of getting the stuff what i'm happy with then you know i just kind of like ditch the weddings and just go full-time with, with headshots so you ditched weddings how many years ago um roughly we have 2022 i think like 10 years ago so were you it sounds to me like you were very successful at weddings in spite of the fact that the uh uh, uh competitive pressures and the pricing uh pressures were afflicting you and everyone else has has been the industry for you know last 10 years or so so uh, you said you you travel a lot for your weddings so i'm just curious more than anything why were you traveling with weddings were you like in demand in all these different areas and so the weddings um i think at some point destination weddings become really popular and a lot of a lot of my clients they want to have a wedding let's say in caribbean so jamaica cuba you name it right right. Um, you know people are traveling and they were just taking me with 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 them okay um some of those places they yeah there are some issues sometimes because they have own photographers right they 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 Mm -hmm. want to have outsiders but also i was lucky i went to india twice Uh, you know clients who live in calgary they 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 decided to you know do the wedding in india and I, well, there was kind of interesting stories with that because, well, first of all, like they, there was no even option me going to India, but I've done the engagement session and they're like, oh, we love this work. Like, you know, why okay. don't we take you with you? So the parents were against it <laughs> and there was some kind of fight within the family, <laughs> but the couple's like, you know, we want this guy. And and the, the, the interesting thing was also, which was kind of good for me, they hired kind of like their wedding photographer there and they allow me to shoot my kind of thing right so they kind of let me do whatever i want i was not in charge for any like family photos which was fantastic okay nice shoot just photojournalistic kind of style but so i we could go like really deep into this but for me just even going to india like i remember when i landed there the first time just like what the hell i'm doing here like just like why (laughs) why i'm here so cultural shock, this mm-hmm. whole thing, the, the wedding itself, the wedding had 3,000 people just to kind of give you an idea how big it was. So they had money, obviously, and they were going to really... Yes and no, because the guy was, he's an IT guy. Right. So I don't feel like he was making, I would say, decent money. I don't think he was like extremely wealthy. I mm-hmm. think when you convert that money there, maybe it's a little bit of a different story. But in India, I found weddings a con- completely different level like for for them wedding is like the most important uh event of their life um and then they have this this massive complexes where they they do the weddings uh you know just insanity like you know they have this like altar made out of like fresh flowers and they have like you know 200 people working on it before the night of the wedding just just like just just crazy i think you know It would be an amazing documentary if someone would just, you know, decided to do like a documentary about 
Um, okay. Indian weddings, I think that would be just spectacular. Like they have elephants, camp, like you name it. They just wow. the, the craziness behind it. <laughs> I was just like watching this. I'm just like, like what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. We're we're not uh, we're not familiar with any of that uh, up in the <laughs> North American uh, cultural uh, limitations. But uh, so let me ask you this then, just to, and I want to get off weddings and into headshot photography. Yes. But uh, uh, the fact that you quit doing weddings, you burnt out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still love shooting weddings. John's with you. He's done shooting weddings years ago. Yeah. And uh, I uh, just curious, I, every time I think of um, destination weddings, I cringe. I think to myself, I've done a bunch and I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I can't stand them because you're gone for a week. Mm-hmm. Even if it's in the Caribbean, I think to myself, it's like, I, I get bored with that after two days. And yes, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And uh, so the fact that you had to travel with, I don't know what the percentage of local versus destination weddings you were shooting, but did that contribute to your burnout? Um, a little bit. I think, you know, when my son was born, that everything kind of changed. Right? Okay. There that you was go. the moment where, okay, I need to focus on my family and I want to focus yeah. on him. Um, I don't want to, as you said, leave for a week and just kind of be on the yeah. phone or Skype All or right. whatever just to see them. But also, I think just the tension I found like from the weddings. I think the people were way more demanding, and then and there's some crazy stories happening on some of those weddings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I was just like, you know what? I like I have enough. Like I don't have to fight with people. I like yeah. I want to do work where I'm, I I have a little bit more control, and I can kind yeah. of do things my way sometimes because as you guys probably know the weddings is a chaos right sometimes it's controlled Uh sometimes it's not but after like shooting let's say some kind of cultural wedding like chinese wedding or you know indian wedding usually is a two three days so after those two three days like i need like two weeks to get get back to (laughs) to my mental state because you just work for 16 hours a day yeah yeah. enough of that crazy Um, enough of that so So, but but your boy was the big that was yes. the locus of control, the big change of family Absolutely. thing. Really. But makes perfect sense. So uh, I got to I gotta ask you this now about you doing four years of free shooting. Obviously, you were shooting weddings, so you had income coming in. But you're doing four years of uh, shooting uh, headshots. Uh, was it because you never felt, oh, I haven't got this yet. I've got this certain vision of certain level I want to get to. And or what was it that stopped you from after one year saying, okay, I'm going to start charging for this? Is there uh, something there that you can discuss? Or um, yes, um, so when I started shooting headshots, and then this is what always kind of makes me laugh when people are like, well, what's difficult about shooting headshots, right? Hmm. And one says that these days, and it's like not big of a deal, mm-hmm. but it is, and. I've noticed, well, I started with a lot of struggles. First of all was the lighting. I might have to switch to completely different equipment, um, learn how to work with um, lights. Because when I was shooting weddings, I never had any kind of off-camera flash or anything like that. I was just okay. purely natural light photographer. Okay. Like I, Sometimes I was using flash, which was stuck, like, you know, was connected to my camera during the mm-hmm. receptions. But I never had, like, any off light you know during Uh the during the weddings so this was completely new to me so that's something which i had to learn right Um, another thing which was big challenge was retouching because i i just when it comes to weddings again basic retouch you know maybe some color adjustment just basic stuff especially i remember when i started shooting weddings everything was about quantity not the quality per se but the quantity like and then people were buying my services because i was shooting 2000 images i was shooting 2000 3000 images per wedding and they're like oh my god this is just amazing right that was the kind of the selling point but who in the right mind would have a time to retouch two three thousand images like mm-hmm. you know we were just shooting jpegs you know burn on the dvd or some kind of like you know cds and just give it to the client and you know that was it sometimes you know i was trying to push some sales when it comes to weddings some prints but there was no like really digging into photoshop and try to you know do the kind of proper retouch 
I'm guessing right now it's a completely different story. This whole thing just went to completely different level. And I photographers do that these days. But back in the days when the digital started, like nobody was spending too much time on in Photoshop. So going back to headshots, I knew I have to learn retouching, right? And I had to somehow figure this out. So I, I went different paths at the beginning. So I was just outsourcing my my images to you know different retouchers i was not happy because i felt like it's not my work anymore mm -hmm. plus i you know didn't understand the process i i was getting back those images they look cool but i was just like was driving me absolutely nuts that i don't understand what they've done to it okay so i started kind of again learning the retouching process and then you started okay. kind of putting this whole thing together so I think the headshots, what 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 headshots taught me over the years that, you know, it's a process. It's not just snapping the photo. It's it's creating images, which you have to have proper equipment, proper lighting, mm -hmm. uh, proper retouching. And then on the top of that, I started also realizing I need to learn other skills, such as communicating with people. I need mm -hmm. to learn the body language, psychology, face expressions. And then you start digging into this. It's another completely different game ball. <laughs> you have to jump into it and learn so many things, which I would never expect I would have to even touch. Right. So, mm -hmm. so, so that's why I think what changed the hatchet photography that nowadays photographers, they need to understand all those components and put them together. And that was my biggest challenge and took me years and years and years to figure this whole thing out. And I'm mm. still learning. It's like, no, it's not like, it's not like I know all of it right now. I think the more I dig into it, the more there's still more things to learn. It's a journey, isn't it? It is. Absolutely. With well, it's amazing. I know photographers who don't do a lot of retouching, they outsource everything and they seem to get really good results, but mm -hmm. For you, you have this compelling urge to want to understand at a deeper level. Yes. So uh, I'm going to sort of pin that on you as part of one of your attributes, and that is an important attribute that sort of compels you to want to constantly be learning, recognizing the importance of learning. And for whatever reason, you wanted to know more. I mean, how are they doing this retouching? And obviously, you I'm not going to say mastered, but you've gotten a handle on it because, yes. you know, now you're teaching other photographers. And by the way, everybody, go to uh, Raf's uh, website. Johnny, maybe you could put it up. I have it here, yeah. And uh, John, uh, Raphael's, got, Raf, Raphael's got Spotify and FM Anchor. He's got, I don't know if you're doing weekly podcasts. I started listening to them and I'm like, holy geez, this guy's generous with all his work. Under, I think it's under workshops. or Yeah, something. well, there's workshops and there's also store. But uh, the access to all uh, his podcasts, and you've got a YouTube channel which I signed up for. I'm like, this guy's really, really generous with his work uh, and uh, his content. He's just putting it all out there. And obviously, you're obviously selling some of it, and you've got some live events coming up, which we're going to plug in a minute. But uh, uh, this com compulsion to want to constantly be learning is something that I personally feel is really, really important. And I recognize it in you, even to the point that I'm like, man, you, you even though you only spent six months at Walmart, I mean, wow, <laughs> Walmart. <laughs> I lasted about a week. Oh, were, really? you were you there too, Johnny? Yeah, we're somewhere around 2002, 2000. And yeah, I lasted about a week. Yeah, well, I, I, I was doing some crazy stuff over there. I don't know if, I don't <laughs> think I should share, but I was... <laughs> Oh, yeah, give like us one I, example was, of crazy. Yeah. So what's one example of something crazy? One example, you know, I didn't want to work there because that that was just kind of extra job for me. So I was mm -hmm. doing lifeguarding, believe it or not, uh, mm -hmm. one of the local pools here in Calgary. And that was just extra job, which, okay. you know, could bring me some extra money. And they hired me right away. And I was sometimes I was so tired because, for example, like I was opening the pool at, at say five o'clock in the morning. Wow. Work till two. And then four o'clock, I started shift at Walmart Portrait Studio. And mm -hmm. I was so beat up that, you know, I was just like barely kind of like keeping my eyes open. So, like, say, let's say they, they booked 
I don't know, six, seven people. And I was calling them that, for example, like, you know, the, the camera's broken and then, you know, we have to cancel and just move it to another day. Oh. So shifts to, you know, some other people. Okay. So just kind of stay alive and just kind of survive the shift. Right. But right. they figured this whole thing out at some point and they did. Like, yeah, they did. Yeah. But, you know, try to survive, right. Make some You're money. Surviving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so let me get back to the topic of survival for a minute. Yes. Uh, when I found out you were from Poland, I first question that popped in my brain is, is there something in the water there? Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, Maggie Habieta is from Poland. She moved to Canada when she was 16. Do you know Maggie from Oakville? No, I, I didn't did, did ring the bell. but Yeah, when, when she started her own studio about 12 years ago. And at a time when it was like insane to start a studio and she, 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 she bought a building in Oakville. Oakville is a very uh, nice area just west yeah, of Toronto. Very high end. And she bought her own commercial, you, you know, you can buy your own sort of like a condo, commercial condo. Mm -hmm. And she went to town. It's amazing. She's one of our favorites. We've had her on this and I've had her mm -hmm. speak at many of my live events. And she's a crowd favorite. And she's from yeah. Poland. She's about a half an hour outside of Toronto where she is. Okay. Yeah, so she 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 like she to quote her, she said she went to the moon with a shovel. She had no idea what she was doing, but she made it work. Mm -hmm. Her story is amazing. She yeah. moved here from Poland and uh, went to art school, and she's got a very very uh, strong business flair, marketing flair, mm -hmm. networking flair, and a very strong artistic flair. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So that was my first question in my mind was: Is there something in the water in Poland that's really making these people sort of click? <laughs> but you, you said you had to do what you had to do working for Walmart. And I recognize the value of working at a high volume place like Walmart. I don't know that it gets any more high volume than Walmart, but there's a lot you can learn working with that many families. And it's not like they're coming in all dressed up, right? There's, mm -hmm. It's yeah. a different demographic. It is a lot yeah. of babies. Yes. So what, what, what lesson, besides the fact that you were trying to juggle two, three jobs at the same time and you had to sort of rig the uh, bookings, what lessons for you that you got from working with that many people or were there any uh, dealing in a high volume situation like that? Um, so let me start with saying that I, I didn't want to work there, No, to be honest. There was something that, you know, I, I, I just kind of like want to stay... And I want to do something what is related to photography. Mm -hmm. And at that point, that was my only option because I my wedding business was not even alive at that that moment. Right. And I thought that this is gonna be something that you know kind of gets me closer where I want to be. I couldn't do full-time job because I could just maybe get a job at one of those like you know photography stores in Calgary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I remember, you know, I was applying to them and they, they told me like, you have to work, you know, full time, you work, you know, of a commission. And I couldn't kind of also afford that. Also, like I, I was not never a big fan of gear itself. Like you guys probably, you know, whoever is following my, my, my work and then whatever I've tried to pass to other photographers, I like equipment for me is like a secondary thing i don't pay attention to it okay. i ha i have what i have and i used it the, the best way as possible but i'm not kind of like this one of gearheads who just mm -hmm. focus only on the gear and i thought that you know this this place will give me some some knowledge about photography and kind of brings me closer to the industry even though it was what it was you know the the the, the, the whole system they set up over there also was kind of interesting because you didn't have to be photographer at all. Like they just hire anybody because you have to just push mm -hmm. the button, right? Right. What I've learned though, I could I've learned lots about communications with people. I've learned how to deal with them. I've learned a little bit about selling stuff because you know they 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 push sales. That was just right. the main thing. They didn't care much even about the quality of photography as much. You can sell it the biggest packages. Um, I wasn't good at it. Uh, plus, that was kind of beginning of my time when I came to Canada. So my language also wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. And I struggled with, with English at that, that time. So also, I, I figured if I'm going to work in that place, that's going to also help me with, with the language. And yeah, so I started there. I have some great manager. Like, she was fantastic. She was really supportive. Um, she was 
she taught me a lot of stuff about you know sales and then different packages and how to communicate with people so overall i think it wasn't bad like you know i, I like i'm not kind of remember this as something that was negative experience i think for all those people who are trying to get into the industry, I think they should try something like this because they can <laughs> learn some other skills, which are really, really helpful if you if you start your own business, right? And yep. if you make mistakes, you have someone who is overlooking, you know, some of the stuff what you do and they can give you some, um, some kind of guidance. And even though, you know, the Walmart has this kind of reputation, I think people who work there, I think they are fantastic. I, I, I remember it as, as, as a kind of something really, really positive. That's amazing. So one lesson I'm going to also suggest and or from my own experience is humility. I was so, when I started out, I was doing similar jobs and uh, I was so hungry. Didn't bother me that I was doing. It's just the idea was take any job you can because you just mm -hmm. want to grow. That's what it sounds like to me. Uh -huh. And plus survival for you. Yes. Um, interesting. So um, you had extra hurdles to overcome because of your language barriers and the fact that you were from another country. So uh, I've often in my experiences noticed that people who have similar experiences like that, they come out ahead because of those challenges, mm -hmm. because of those hurdles, because they overcome them. And uh, I'm, again, curious. I want to go back to your headshots mm -hmm. now. Uh, it took you years to sort of master the headshots. Now, I got to tell you right out, I do a lot of headshots, but I can't do them the way you do. I keep going like, what the hell's the matter with me? John, do you feel the same way? I don't know. Yes, if you do. there's times where I think I've got it, and then I get home and or to the studio, and I upload to the computer, and it's like, this doesn't look like, like there it does. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So what is that magic mojo, that extra, if you even zoom in on one of those and, and, and you have this beautiful control of light you talk about your limitations with light, which obviously is not the case. I don't know if mm -hmm. you got it or if you're shooting intuitively and it just works for you, but mm -hmm. uh, I just ridiculous. love how he's a minimalist because he only uses like the two flashes, maybe one on the background and it's all speed lights. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah and you've got You've got that stuff throughout your blogs and uh, you, you explain all of it. And, uh, mm -hmm. but there's something, there's a, there's a je ne sais quoi. There's a boom. What is that? Am I making any sense or am I? Yeah. There's a life to them that some people just can't get. I'll share all the secrets with you guys. I don't see a problem with that. <laughs> Yay. We can, we can break this whole thing. So let me start with saying that. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, creating a headshot, and let's I think it is we can apply this to any type of photography. I I believe it's a process. It, mm -hmm. It's not like you just you know put someone at the front of the camera, you snap the photo, and it's done. Mm -hmm. um, so so let's kind of break this process and what we have to focus on. And this is something which again took me years, years to figure out. And um, this is something which you're just learning as you go, right? And you're just kind of discovering new things throughout your experiences taking photographs. Um, so let me start with, as I said, we need to break this entire process to smaller components, right? And I have seven of them, which is, you know, gear, there is settings, there is lighting, there's face expressions, there is body language, um, and there is retouching. So there's mm -hmm. all those components we need to put together. And usually what I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying is like a example, how this whole thing works is like a making a cake. For example, you have to have all the ingredients, you have to have recipe, you have to mix them all together. You have to put them in the oven. The oven has to have specific temperature. So there's, there's process to it, you know, in mm -hmm. order to get a cake and, the interesting part is if you messed up one of those elements, this whole thing's go to the garbage, right? Because you can have the best oven, you can have the best recipe, you can have the best ingredient, but let's say your eggs are like old and they're stinky. This whole thing goes, goes out, right? right? And I think the same applies to photography. If you messed up one element, the image is off, right? So... In my tutorial, I basically teach about it that, you know, you have to focus on each of those elements. And then also when you break this whole process to smaller elements, 
it's much easier to identify, you know, what's your work is lacking, right? Because you might have, let's say, the best gear, the best lighting, but for example, like your your face expression is off, right? You know, there's right. something not right. Doesn't matter how good the image is, how much, how good the lighting is, how much, you know, how much you do the, the retouching, the image is going to be off and it's not going to be right. So that's why, you know, what I'm trying to say to all the students, what I teach and, you know, the message, what I'm trying to push is you need to break down the process. You need to kind of like chop it down mm-hmm. and look at it, at, at, at all of those elements separately and then basically try to figure it out how to master each of them, right? And what's kind of bothers me a lot these days is, and it kind of drives me nuts, to be honest with you, that we focus only on those all, all those like a little elements or one element. And, you know, right. I'm getting sometimes, you know, comments like, oh, the lighting is perfect. The lighting is not perfect because when you get the raw image, there's still a lot of flaws to it, right? You need to take and do retouching on the image to polish the image so you can get the lighting kind of like the way you want it, right? So again, another example, the face expressions, the the, the squint, as you know, Peter Harley says, the the, the body language, squinch, um, you know, how you pose your your subjects, how you communicate with them, how you get this this, this engagement, this, 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 so again, we could go. We could go really deep into all those elements, but what I'm tr- the, the main message. What I'm trying to to say is, um, is you have to look at your photography from much broader perspective, and that's why you know we had this little discussion. I started studying psychology and and body language and mm-hmm. and face expressions and and kind of talk to psychologists. You know what specific face expressions say how we can pull them out of people how we can recognize them so i i think what i've done with my headshots i dive deeper you know beyond lighting and equipment i i started yeah. understanding human i tried to understand you know um as i said the body language i was trying to understand a little bit more face expressions and implement that into my work i hope that makes sense what i'm saying very yeah, much. Does. I think the other five elements can be taught very easily through a book or through when it comes to equipment, when it comes to um, uh, settings, lighting, all that stuff. But when it comes to body language or facial expression, that's what makes the photo, I think. Yes, absolutely. And you got to learn that. Absolutely. And this whole thing also, it's a, it's, a, it's a process when it comes to learning because I, I, you know, I, I, I believe that it's really hard to to learn those those things just from books or from tutorials or from YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. You have to literally take your camera and start shooting and analyzing your images. Like you know, not not just oh, I like this image, but understanding why I like this specific image. What makes this image likable? And and what I've done right here that you know makes some kind of feeling. That you know, we some kind of have some connection with 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 the image, um, and I think a lot of photographers they don't do that. And yeah, I remember you know going back to the weddings. I never analyzed my images. I was just like shooting them. I was just keep going through them. Okay, to, up to the client. And right. when I start shooting headshots, I started really putting a lot of attention to not only shooting but going back to my work and analyzing it and 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 just try to as I said. Okay. Break it down and 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 understand deeper what I can see and and you know what the image represents. Mm-hmm. That's 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 it. I mean, really, when you think about it, and I, I think you're hitting a nail on the head. And uh, so it's good advice, and and what you're saying is, is you take your images no matter what you're shooting and analyze them afterwards, sort of critique them and or maybe have somebody else uh, uh, help you get some feedback as well and look at where you're not happy, look at where you can improve, look at where... If I can speak on that, I wouldn't really push it to giving your work to analyze by somebody else because I think, and again, you don't have to agree with me, but everyone looks at images differently, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone kind of analyzes them differently, you know? And it also depends on your knowledge, how much 
experience you have, how much knowledge you have, and then you can look at those images from completely different perspective. And, and typically I found people, they never going to say, if you ask someone, hey, can you tell me what you think about those images? They're not going to be nasty to you and like, oh, you know, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is... But I think we can do that to ourselves. Okay. Right? We can really say, hey, you know, I, I screw up here. I could I could do this better. And, um, you know, we can be way more honest. And that's also how we learn throughout this process. That's how we kind of getting better yeah. to, to not only kind of like analyzing and, and fixing things. And I want to say one more thing, because I think that's is extremely important. And um, this is also one of those little things which makes people's photography better. And I want to talk a little bit about retouching, because a lot of, you know, we talk about it that I was at the beginning outsourcing my work to other um, retouchers. And, and then I was just kind of upset because I couldn't understand the process. But when I started learning retouching and I, I said to myself, I need to learn this shit. I, I need to figure this whole thing out. Right. And I'm going to practice every single day. It doesn't matter. It's working. It's not working. I'm right. going to just keep pushing through like, you know, it's like running, you know, at the beginning, it's hard, yep. you know, we out of breath, but the more we practice, we get better. And then eventually we start kind of really, okay, you know what? I'm, I, I'm, I, I do have a control over this. So that was my plan. And what I also realized that the more I started retouching my images, I also got better at photography because then you can really dive deep into, okay, this is what I've done. Mm -hmm. This is what I need to fix. This is what I need to kind of like, you know, make it look better. So I'm, I'm not going to make those mistakes, you know, throughout a photo shoots. So that's why also I think my headshots got better because the retouching helped me to understand lighting even more, right? I could really see what's happening on the image. I could really kind of analyze it, you know, how I can improve those stuff. And that's why I always say to my students and, you know, to people that don't outsource your images. I know it's easy. I know like if you have a big project and you have, I don't know, 100 headshots to retouch, of course, send it over. But yeah make sure that you at least understand the process and you know how to do it. Good and point. the more you retouch, your photography will get better. Because when you get into the photo shoot, I can see things right now before I even push the button, you know, what needs to be fixed because I had some bad experiences back in the past and I have to just spend hours of fixing things or, you know, retouching mm -hmm. stuff that now I don't make those mistakes. So you can not only improve your retouching skills, but also what retouching teaches you, understand the light a little bit better. Yeah. And also you becoming more aware of, you know, a lot of details whenever you kind of get into the photo shoot. Interesting. 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 That's really good advice. Uh, it's almost like as if being, and this is, I'm talking from my own experience because I see from this where uh, it's good enough. It's good enough. And, and I don't analyze it. So it's like, it's like a tyranny of, of good enough. It's an affliction. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so when I stop, yeah, I'm going to apply that more and more. I'm going to, you know, just stop. And say, How can I improve this? What am I doing that's working? What am I doing that's not working? Uh, you said something interesting though, that you ought to really just take that upon yourself just between you and yourself. What if somebody doesn't have sort of a direction, sort of a North star, sort of like a chart of this is where I want to go. Something must have drove you. It's not good enough. And you were, you were self-critiquing and learning. That was the thing that worked for you. So at what point did you go, oh, this is, this is much better. I mean, you, you must have had some direction there that sort of compelled you forward. Um, you know what? To be honest with you, I didn't have any directions. I was just blindly going through it. Yeah. And I, I don't think you can really have a direction. Because... Well, you knew, you knew it wasn't where you wanted to be. There was that. So you were uncomfortable, right? But I, you know what? I've seen my mistakes, but I haven't seen the good stuff. You know, I was mostly focusing, okay, what was done wrong and how I can improve it. Okay, and then enough. how this whole thing started kind of coming together. But, you know, nowadays we have access to retouching courses, to, you know, like yeah. tutorials and YouTube videos. There's all sorts of 
resources, you can learn the basics and then you can take sure. it to the next level. But when I started, you know, decade ago, I didn't have too many resources where I could even learn retouching. I like, I knew right. I, I want to learn. I, I know what kind of, I want my images to look like, mm-hmm. but I had no idea how to get there. And I can also give you some kind of um, uh, analogy. It's, it's again, we're going to go back to sports. You know, let's say you want to, you want to go do a marathon, right? Okay. I, I know I want to, I, I have to run, you know, for like 40, 44 kilometers, um, you you know the goal, but it's it's hard. Like you have to practice. You have to just yeah. put time into it. You need to. And also, what I what I've learned is, um, I, I before I get there, I just want to say there's interesting book. I don't know if you guys know this guy is Jim Quick. Uh, there's a book called Limitless. Um, I'll I'll mm-hmm. I'll show you um this book. It's it's really really popular. So this guy, let me kind of give you a brief story about him. So he, when he was a kid. He had some brain head injury, which caused some brain injury. And then he had really issues with with learning, with memorizing things. And, you know, basically they started calling him like, you know, the kid with the the, the, the broken brain or something like this. Right. And he had really hard time to learn. And then he said, you know what, maybe there's different ways to learn things. And he started kind of studying this whole thing. So now he becoming this memory master where he is working with Obama, with president, CEO. Like this guy is just insane. You know, the things what he is able to do, speed reading and, and all this crazy right. stuff. Right. So so his book talks about how we can learn things. So that's basically this whole book is dedicated to helping people how they can learn stuff. Exactly. That's that's exactly the book. And one of the things what he's talking about, and this is actually we can really apply this to this whole retouching thing, that our brain is like a muscle, right? We need to train it to basically get better, you know, to memorize things. We need to somehow put this this brain into some kind of work in order to get some results. And I remember, you know, when I was started learning how to retouch stuff, I was blindless. Like I was retouching things. I haven't seen things, you know, it's, it, it was mm-hmm. just like unbelievable that I was doing things and I had all this kind of, I've watched, let's say some tutorial and they're showing, let's say frequency separations or dodge and burn and all this stuff. And I was doing the same thing, what they're showing on the, on the video, but didn't kind of come out this way. It was just like, what the hell? Like, you know, like I know they're doing this. I see how they're doing it, but it doesn't kind of work for me. I, I just don't. And the one thing what what was interesting, you we need to train our eyes and our brain to see things. And I remember the more I was retouching and the more I was practicing, I I was getting closer to those results, what I was hoping for. Of course, okay. this was taking a lot of time. Yeah. And you need to train your eyes. You need to train your kind of way of seeing things. And then the more you practice, you start seeing things completely a different way. So I deeply believe that the retouching is exactly the same process, like working okay. out, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, exactly. It's the same process. The more you practice, yeah. the more you try, you're getting better. Right. And, and I remember, you know, like I could tell you like some some really interesting story, even the time of the day or the lighting you're working around or, you know, how tired you are. I remember this one photo shoot I had it was a corporate session and the guy told me, hey, you know what? I need those images for tomorrow. Would you be able to do it? I'm like, sure. You know, why not? I got home beat up as hell. Right. You know, I had a whole day of of, of, of shooting and then I came home. And I'm like, I get to get those images retouched, mm-hmm. get on the computer, start retouching them. And thank you to God. You know, the next morning I woke up, I'm going to, I'm going to take a quick look at those images just to, before I send them off to this guy. And I look at them like, what the happened here? Like what, what I've done? Like, you know, just like I, and, and the day before when I finished my work, I was hundred percent sure I've done amazing thing, amazing retouch. Those images mm-hmm. are great, but because I was tired, because you okay. know I was working with some weird lighting conditions, um, all sorts of different stuff. And the next day, I was just like, "Holy smokes!" Like you know, I I couldn't see that 
before. And that was actually the kind of turning point for me that I realized, okay, you know what? Again, it's we see things differently mm-hmm. every you know, different times of the day. And then, you know, there's, there's so many different factors which yeah. kind of apply to your vision and how you see things. That's amazing. That's a really, that's a really good answer. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I would anybody who's uh, at any level and whatever wherever you're at, especially if you're starting out and you're younger, uh, I couldn't agree more. And I would really encourage you all to. Uh, so I want to ask a couple technical questions. Sure. I want to ask you about your wife, and uh, we're going down to our last fifteen minutes. I want to remind everybody that in two weeks, May twenty eighth, twenty ninth, in Toronto at Hark's studio. That's he's going to Hark's studio. Everybody knows Hark. Mm-hmm using his studio in toronto hark nijar right yeah and uh if uh you go to raf's website you can find that so if you want to learn this stuff in person i highly encourage you to go check it out plus he also has uh uh some retouching videos for sale i think it's like only 100 bucks or something like that the two-day event is a little bit pricey but when you think about it it's not. It's probably worth ten times that, uh, six ninety nine US. And mm-hmm. uh, but uh, man, that'll set the pace for you for anybody who wants to uh, get this. Now I want to show my screen. I got a question for you. Yes. Two questions, more technical. And let me just show my screen. Just waiting for it to pop up here. Ba boom. So you seem to. Oops, sorry. You see my screen? Yep. So you see the shot of the dude with the dark blue suit? The gentleman in the suit, yep. You seem to shoot a lot of stuff horizontal, Mm -hmm. you know, eyes up in the tier, top left or top right tier. Uh, This was in the middle, middle. Is this, do you get flack from your clients and they're like, that's not centered or I want it vertical? You know, is that Mm -hmm. an issue? Um, Um, Not really, actually, because, you know, most of my clients, at the end of the day, looking for square, right? Or vertical image. And it's much easier from horizontal to crop this to those two formats, right? So that was the main main reason. But also I found shooting horizontally, it's more pleasing, especially when you look at those images online, right? I agree. Yeah, so that is the main reason. And whenever, you know, we have a discussion with the client and then, you know, they, they have some, they're fast about it, that's yep. usually I can explain them why I'm shooting that way. And, you know, at that point, they, they understand why yep. it's much easier to convert them to whatever we need to do later on. Cool. Uh, I like, her. I can't stand this new Instagram. Everything's vertical, you know. Oh, it drives me nuts. You know, it's like, what are you doing? Especially when they're doing a video of a scene, let's say an accident or something, mm-hmm. and you can only see a thin strip and there's stuff missing on the right and left. I mean, um, I think that's awful. Okay, let me ask you <laughs> about this. See this picture here? Yep. That's your setup, I believe. Yes. Okay. Um, what's the term that is used when the, the main light is just skimming? Come on, what is it? Uh, Warren, Warren always talks about it. There, Feathering. 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 Okay. Yeah, you seem to uh, like the main light here mm-hmm. seems to be slightly feathered away from her head, and mm-hmm. a bulk of that light is hitting the reflector, mm-hmm. which creates. You know, I'm thinking. I, I I get this stupid idea when I look at sure. your images and I look at <laughs> setups like this, and I go, "Oh, that's what I'm doing wrong. That's the mm-hmm. only thing I'm doing wrong. I'm not feathering enough. I need to feather it." Mm-hmm. And when I feather it, I seem to get better results. And it sort of brings a bulk of the light into the reflector, which you have to have properly angled. Mm-hmm. And it boosts that light back up into the eyes, creating those wonderful uh, specular highlights, which you can see in this guy right here, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So any comments on that uh, as far as feathering your mane is concerned? Um. So, so there's a few things which we need to kind of like unfold here. Uh, first of all, as I mentioned before, there's no perfect lighting. You just try to make this as best as possible, right? And mm-hmm. one of the things, there's there's a few things what I want to point it out. One, a um, lot of photographers and including myself, I remember when I started, I was just 
I, I planted the light, you know, put whatever, 45 degrees to the side and I was shooting. And then my hope was that this whole thing's going to turn out well and rest of it, I'll fix it in Photoshop. So that was right. my kind of approach. Right. Um, but there's, there's things which we need to remember that every person photographs differently. And you have to not only work with your subject, but also working with your light, but not mm -hmm. just by changing the power, but also by moving the light and try to figure it out, Okay. Um, you know, what's the best angle for a specific person, right? So I always move my light. And because it's a speed light, it's fairly light. I can move back and forth, up and oh. down, and try to find the best angle for mm -hmm. the person. Mm -hmm. Having said that, there's there's one more thing what I want to add to it, I'm, and I'm going to share that with some story. So I remember I had this corporate headshot session. I'm I'm shooting this beautiful lady, and I had you know my main light on the the left hand side, my kicker was on the right hand side, and I'm just keep shooting, and I'm not getting anything. Like there's something about those images that doesn't kind of work. And okay. I'm just, trying to feather up and down right. back and forth and i was just like you know this, this doesn't work like i don't know what's wrong with her because she's beautiful but those images turn out they're just like weird mm -hmm. and what i've decided to do i'm like okay let's let's do this and let's try it and i actually move my main light to the left side and the kicker to the right side just kind of like switch them completely okay. opposite way okay and all of a sudden this whole thing started working she looks awesome you know, and I was just like, what the hell? So to summarize this is every person has better or worse side. And I, Peter Harley also teaches about it, right? Mm -hmm. So every person, what I'm shooting these days, half of my session, the main light is on the right-hand side and the other half is on the left-hand side. And it's just switching back and forth just to kind of get the, the right. right image, especially for sometimes for female, I'm shooting clamshell lighting. So there's no, um, no shadows, whatever is more flat. I don't like this much because, you know, there's right. no dimension to the image. So my, my kind of go-to light typically is the Rembrandt lighting. Okay. Um, but in addition, we also have to remember that the images which you guys see on my website, they also went through the retouching process. Yeah. So that's something that a lot of people are getting confused because this is what they think is, okay, this is the lighting which you're getting out of, you know, basically you're straight from the camera. It's not yep. true. I'm going to be honest with you. Don't <laughs> get mislead <clears throat> that, you yep. know, this lighting is the way it looks like. The images go through, as I said, editing process and mm -hmm. i increase sometimes you know the the, the highlights i mm -hmm. decrease let's say if the kicker light is too harsh i kind of burn a little bit just to kind of equalize so those images go through some additional process to polish the light right it's mm -hmm. not just the lighting itself and i want to also make sure that people understand this because you know the light, it's not exactly what you see. Uh, the best way would be probably just showing you the images in the raw, you know, kind of format. And then after retouching and you could see huge difference yeah. how, you know, those 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 things got a little bit adjusted to kind of make this whole thing work together. Yeah. <clears throat> you, you probably get into that big time on your... Uh retouching video course yes. so yeah probably and you use a lot of speed lights like you said because they're nice and light have you ever looked at the new ad 200s from godox which are similar to the size of a speed mm -hmm. light but a little bit more powerful in case you need it when you're outside and stuff you know what so i don't shoot much outside because i live in calgary and and it's freaking winter pretty much <laughs> for entire year um, <laughs> so most of my shoots are indoors yeah. Plus the wind and all this crazy stuff. I found this is really difficult. I try. I remember when I started, I was doing a lot of shoots outdoors. Mm -hmm. But I have to tell you, I have so many issues with that. I, I got arrested because oh, you know, yeah. I was shooting in the locations which apparently was private, and they called the cops. And you know, when they saw the lights, all of a sudden you're the criminal. Huh? Um, so that was, I was like, okay, I'm not, I can't, and, and, you know, was paid shoots. So like, you look mm -hmm. like a total idiot, right? That, yeah. Yeah. you know, 
the cops coming and handcuff you because you're shooting in some places. And um, the wind was another big issue because, you know, it's really hard, especially in Calgary, to predict the weather. You know, so if you schedule the shoot and you have, let's say, female with long hair and the hair is flying all over the place, it's, it's a disaster. So that's why I kind of like started really pushing into indoor locations because it was more controllable, was, you know, much easier to set it up was tough at the beginning because I don't have a studio. And this is another little kind of tip for photographers. Studio makes people kind of like, I'm not saying lazy, but what mm -hmm. I'm trying to say is they, they, they kind of figured out what works and that's it. And because I was shooting a lot of headshot sessions at my client's locations, I have to figure it out how to make things work. And even though it was extremely challenging, because you're going to some apartments, you're going to some homes, and then you have you know junk on the backyard, on the on the back or something. So that was sometimes really really interesting. That you know mm. I had to make things work. Like you know, for example, this image, which is right now, uh, this lady owns is like a little clinic, right. and we were shooting indoors, you know, the lobby, and there's like little painting, and I was like, okay, let's use that, and then it worked well. Yeah. Yeah, so I, mean, I, you'll be I, want ask, I want to ask you about this image because you got all this ambient light coming in. Yeah. And obviously you're shooting high speed sync, I would imagine, to kill that ambient light. Um, no, not I, necessarily. No, eh? No. So no. Is, you know what? The one thing what I do, I just bring those lights really close to my subject. So you really don't need much power, to be honest with you. Like no. when it comes... To yeah, my speed yeah. lights, usually I'm shooting one up around 132 of the power. So it's not even full power. It's like, you know, so, the fraction of it, right? But yeah. because the light is fairly close to your subject, yeah. um, then you really don't need, uh, okay. you know, pushing more and you can kill it any aim. And especially, you know, even uh, that day was kind of cloudy, right? So it wasn't big of a deal. Plus the light is also with the direction of the window light. Right, so that kind of like was another kick. It worked, but if you look at the image, yeah, it worked really well. So you got you don't have modeling lights, which I also find interesting as well. No, no, no. Who needs modeling lights? <laughs> These are habits that I've got entrenched in my brain. You know, I call that CBS calcified brain shit. You know, it's like this is the way you do it. You got to have modeling lights, and uh, you got to fight that ambient light. So. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm here to learn, man. I'm here to learn, and I'm learning so much from you, and I'm totally inspired. So uh, we're uh, we're almost at the end. I wanted to ask you about your wife. Uh, yes. There's reasons I wanted to ask you about your wife. She, you said earlier that she helps you out a little bit in yeah. your business, and uh, but she's also got her own thing going on, uh, which is to do. She's an uh, uh, an influencer, so she helps other businesses as an influencer yes. on social media. Can we touch on that real quick so we can? Sort of. Yes. Um, yeah. So she, well, I would have to go back because for right after I got into this retouch, well, retouching the headshot photography. So this is another little story. I know we don't have much time, but I'll try to be quick. Go for it. Um, I, so one of the things what I've done, and I think this is another good lesson for, I think people who are trying to and break into this industry. Um, one thing which just, I figured out like, I want to work with people who can push my business, right? So I didn't want to just work with just the regular people because I know this might go nowhere. I, I kind of felt that if I can work with some, I would say, celebrities or known people from the city, they can kind of help me to break into this industry and, and and they can push my work to their friends and usually you know those guys they have money they have some you know powers whatever they can really help me so that's how we started it was called fashion calgary portrait campaign and every year for six years we were choosing top influential people in calgary and then we were trying to break into some different industries such uh, you know radio you know tv uh, we were shooting chefs from, you know, the top restaurants. We were shooting uh, politicians. You just name it. Athletes. So mm -hmm. I had a chance to work with amazing, amazing people for the six years. We shot over 300 people over the last over the six years. 
And at the end of every year, we were doing a big gala where we were raising money for um, Children's Hospital. And little story why we've decided to do that was because my wife, um, about 15 years ago, she lost her brother. He got a brain cancer and he passed away like literally within three days. Like he has he has a tumor which literally burst and he just died on you know, her parents laps, mm-hmm. like it was tragic story, his story. Yeah. And um, so, so she, we wanted kind of like contribute something. So right. that kind of gave me a few things. First of all, really bold foundation for business, because when I started working with some known people, they kind of like started kind of rehiring me. Um, another thing, what was interesting because, you know, we were getting sponsors for this, this campaign I, those people who are at the front of the camera, all those like, you know, celebrities, they didn't have to pay for the shoot. So what also kind of was interesting that I think whenever you have a paid client, it changes the dynamic. Like it's, it's just completely different because, you know, the client has some kind of expectations. They, 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 they coming to you because they want specific thing or specific image, but because, you know, they didn't have to pay for it. And they, there was some cause behind it that were supporting, you know, some, some, some kind of like, you know, big, big um, charity. They were giving me completely free hand to do whatever the hell I want. Right. So that was also kind of my six years of learning process, how to shoot headshots, because right. I could do whatever I want. And I didn't have to kind of like explain myself uh, that, you know, I'm doing this this way or, you know, if the images didn't turn out the, the way they want it. They were like completely fine with this, right? So that was also kind of like a learning process for me, which gave me free hand to do whatever I want and experiment and learn the things what I want to learn. Plus, you know, the bonus of this, this whole thing for the six years built my business because now, you know, like I work with politicians, I work with big companies, I work with, with, with you know, all sorts of different people because for the six years I was shooting Hatchet for those celebrities, and whenever they need someone these days, they basically just you know give give out my name, right? So so that was kind of like for the long run was a good investment to build stable business where you can just kind of shoot headshots. Cool. What about Thank you. <laughs> I was just looking at your website, and all of a sudden, it's temporarily unavailable. I got an error, 1105. Yeah, mine came up like that, too. Something happened to your website. Maybe we crashed it. Everybody's going to look at it now, and they've crashed it. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. So, I'm trying to figure out where your wife fits and all that. We might have gotten off track. Okay. So, my wife was pretty much organizing the whole thing. So, she was – I was was just just – um responsible for shooting and as that's what i said to her honey you know what i'm gonna be all for taking photos and creating those portraits uh but you do the event so she was going after you know basically sponsors she was going after you know those people who we want to have in this in this campaign um plus she was organizing the event and the event was between 400 to 600 people every year so it was massive event and believe it or not she was doing this on her own which was i i had no idea how she was doing it but was it like a gala affair sorry was it like a gala affair it was a gala affair yeah we were um having exhibition of those of those portraits so we have one section for cool. the portrait so so the, the whole idea behind it was that everyone who was photographed they have to basically write personal note mm-hmm. what arts and culture means to them and then we were implementing that right up on the image so that's why you know when you when we talk about why my images are like you know the persons on the left on the right hand side right right that came from that because i had shooting them let's say on the right hand side and i have all this space to put the right up on on the image and i can send you some images you can see it so and then we have exhibition we had some performances we had some big celebrities coming in and um you know participating in this whole event it was quite fun but then 
you know, the kind of the market started kind of collapsing a little. And then we are also burnt out. And when my, my, when my wife got pregnant also, like we, the last one we've done it when my son was one year old. Okay. And then we are just like, okay, you know what? After six years, we need a little bit of a break. Yeah, this sounds a lot like what Maggie does. She does get a lot of uh, events in her city, very much like yeah. a gala red carpet affair, uh, linked up with different uh, businesses. Just an amazing <laughs> job. All right, so uh, let me ask you a quick question. What's your favorite yes. movie? What's your favorite movie? What's my favorite movie? Yeah. We know your favorite book. I'm going to ask you that one. Okay. Um well, there's a lot of them. So I'm originally from Poland, so a lot of Polish, a lot of Polish movies. Cool. Uh, but when it comes to American movies, um, stranded on an so, island, one movie. What is it? What is it? <laughs> Let me go with Armageddon. Oh, really? Oh, we haven't had that one yet. Oh, sounds that's... pretty dystopian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it has a happy end, so that's good. You know, for all the struggles <laughs> they're going through, there's there's happy end, and especially yeah. I think right now it's happening in the world. I think yeah. we need yeah. some kind of um, unity because it's yeah going a happy, sideways. happy ending Armageddon theme. Yeah, <laughs> everyone feels like we're going through it. The zombie apocalypse is coming. Oh, there's so much stress going on. So um, absolutely. Okay, so. Excellent stuff. I thought I had another question, but you love teaching, obviously. Um, that's the thing. And I encourage everybody to go to Raphael's YouTube channel and check him out on um, whatever, uh, Spotify, whatever you're listening to. And if you want to get more of him one-on-one, -on -one, do check out the uh, two-day event he has coming up in two weeks in uh, Toronto. So, mm -hmm. Definitely. What do you think, John? We're good to go? I think we're good to go. Much appreciated, Raphael. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. I really enjoy chatting with you guys. Absolutely. I'd, li I'd like to have you back in another year if you're. If you're yes. Anytime. Idea. Cool. cool. All Sounds right. like a plan. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.